This podcast is sponsored by FortuneFavors.ie. FortuneFavors.ie is a home workout equipment store and your one-stop shop for all home gym equipment. They are well known for their adjustable dumbbells, which combine 15 different weights in one dumbbell. They have both 24kg and 40kg adjustable dumbbells. Check the link in the bio of this episode for more information. Hello and you're all very welcome along to another episode of the GA Statsman podcast and I hope you're all keeping wonderfully well. My name is Matt Hurley and on today's show it's a bit different. I welcome a referee onto this show, former inter-county referee in the form of Brian Gavin, a man from Offaly. He's also the Clara GA chairman and I'll be chatting to him about that obviously but mostly about his career in refereeing and how he thinks new referees can be found at a younger age. I'm going to talk to him about refereeing four All-Ireland hurling finals and, of course, that incident with Tommy Walsh where he got a, a bit of a bang to the nose in that game and I will be chatting to Brian about that. It's an all-round very interesting chat and for any of you considering refereeing or wants to try something different to the GA, maybe this is the chat for you. Maybe it's the chat to listen to to gain some expertise. Brian is definitely one of the best referees to ever referee a hurling All-Ireland final and I definitely recommend you listen to this interview. Just before we get into that though, I'd like to remind you all of our sponsors today at fortunefavors.ie. If you use the code STATSMAN10 at checkout, you'll get a 10% discount of all their products which is mostly home gym equipment which is very handy to stay in shape. I leave the link in the bio of this episode if you want to check that out and don't forget to use the code STATSMAN10 to get 10% off. Now without further ado, let's get into it. So I'm here with former inter-county referee Brian Gavin coming from the county of Offaly just to talk about his refereeing career and he's of course the chairman of Clara GA as well. We'll talk a bit about that. Uh, I suppose first of all, Brian, how are you keeping at the moment? I sure great, Matt. Yeah, um, busy time of the year. Um Lucky enough, we're, we won the Senior B Championship in, in Offaly. We were disappointed last year to be relegated. But in fairness to the lads, they regrouped and bounced back up. And now we have a Leinster Intermediate Championship to look forward to, which will kill the winter. And uh, we're lucky enough that the weather has been very kind to us in the last number of weeks. It's very mild. So look, yeah, the, the busy enough and, and Offaly Championship has been wrapped up. So doing commentary in them and refereeing some of them. So yeah. Busy enough, Matt, and but enjoying it. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. So I suppose it's brilliant that the club championship is ongoing. And uh, just for curiosity, would you rather referee a match? I suppose you would, being a former intercounty referee yourself, or would you rather commentate on a match, for example, or have a different role? I actually I enjoy the commentary. To be honest with you, Matt, um, I suppose you're up there, and there's no one putting pressure on you, and yeah. Uh, you can uh, enjoy it, and there's always I always have a co-commentator with me. I just find commentating on your own it's it tough, especially maybe in football if it's if it's a boring game or if it's just continuing hand passing across the pitch. So I uh, look, I suppose there's nothing to beat refereeing if you're in an All Ireland final or out in the middle of some of the best players in the country. But I have to say, enjoying the common commentating at the moment with Midlands one or three. Uh, I don't get to commentate on hurling matches, unfortunately, because 
Joe Try is there as well with Midlands one or three, so I do the football. But uh, I do stand in for Joe anytime I can. But uh, I'm really enjoying that at the moment. Yeah, it'd be toss of a kind now, that's for certain. But probably just shade the hurling if it was an All Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen some of your tweets early on in the summer as well. You were well into the awfully under twenty footballers when the All Ireland, the brilliant victory there. And we'll probably get that onto that later on in the chat. But first of all. We'll go back to read the start of refereeing. Just curiosity again, how did you get into refereeing in the first place? I suppose like a lot of fellas, that time, you know, there might be a challenge game in your own club and next thing, people looking around for a referee and I was asked to do one one night and it went fairly well. Um, and it sort of, it snowballed very quick for me, Matt. Like I was probably 21 or maybe 2021 20, when I took up refing and I think that's the key to, to you know you have to have an interest in it early and again 23 I think I was 23 or 24 I refereed the awfully senior football final so I came through the grade very quick and the following year I would have done the senior hurling final so within my first three or four year refereeing I had both county finals done at senior level which is you know it, it, it's strange it's very seldom that had happened so I was very lucky that way I, I think I was probably natural at referee and I had um, a feel for the game or he understood it probably more than maybe some others might have. And, and maybe that's why I snowballed fairly quick. So again, to, to get in the age of 24, as I said to you, I, I had two senior county championships done. So the next decision for me was what road would I go down? Would it be hurling or football? And I, I, I found that there was more opportunity at the hurling. So I went down the, the hurling route and graduated onto the Leinster panel. And, you know, you're, it's um, it's, well, it's it's a decision you have to make, but I, I felt it was a better opportunity at hurling, and you know it took a few years to get maybe a minor hurling final, but uh, it's it's it, it progressed fairly easily after that. So, yeah, no, I think the key to starting, if you're going to be a referee or of any, you know, you want to be starting young, and that's where some lads ca- get caught. Some lads don't take up the whistle; they're thirty-five or six, and it'll take you six or seven years again. You get close to the top so if you could discover a referee at 25 or 6 it would be an ideal time to start refereeing Yeah absolutely and uh, I suppose you refereed your first uh, all Ireland minor final in 2004 and you were young back then and then under 21 final in 2006 like they must have been brilliant experiences I would have thought Yeah 2004 I was actually standing our fourth official I was doing the board for the all Ireland final in 2004 and um, Galway and Kilkenny. And, you know, the way after, like after the senior game, everyone was upstairs after. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget, um, you know, after a conversation I had with Sean O'Leary, who was big into the refereeing at the time. And he, I was having a, a long neck bottle of Bulmers with a, a bit of ice. And he says, go easy in that. He says, you could be doing the replay. And by God, I got the call one and I was doing the replay in O'Connor Park, uh, Galway. Uncle Kenny, and that was 2004. And two years later, then I done under 20, under 21 all and final down on Turles with Tipperary and Kilkenny. So, yeah. Um, and even at that, then I had broke into the senior ranks with, you know, I was doing quarter finals and semi finals with Cork and Waterford in 06 and 07, you know, and there's some 60, 70,000 at them games. And they were played in Crow Park because of the crowd, you know. So I, I got huge experience very quick in my inter county career. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose you talked about this earlier on in the conversation as well. Referees pick up the whistle at the age of 35 and 36. Like, that's extremely important to, you know, pick up the whistle even at 21, 22 years of age, isn't it? Well, you see, 
the major problem I see is no one picking up a whistle at that age. I don't think there's really much incentive maybe coming from Crow Park or maybe Leinster or Munster anywhere. You know, I, I think we probably, as a, a GA organisation, need to invest a little bit more in refereeing and try and go out to clubs and counties and try and encourage fellas at that age, have they got an interest in it, and maybe have a little bit more courses or presentations to clubs to see if we can entice anyone into refereeing. And I don't, that doesn't happen. Usually you have advertisements on the local paper or media or to put out through the clubs that, you know, you need refereeing and then clubs and then maybe anyone at all just to kick the pressure off them. So we probably need to work a good bit more on how to recruit referees if we're going to have lads coming through at that age. Yeah, absolutely. Well said right there. But uh, I suppose there's the argument as well that young lads, the fear factor might be there as well. You know, if someone makes a bad decision, for example, the crow might get on your back. Like, how would you, you deal with that? Like, if if you made a decision that could have even gone 50-50 either way and the crow gets on your back over that decision throughout the whole game, like, how do you react to that? Well, I suppose if we do entice people to come at that right age mm. of taking up the whistle, um, I think we need to sort of mentor them and, and try and bring them along gradually. And, you know, some of them will take to, a, to water, but more of them, as you said, might get that abuse in the game and it just might be enough to say that's enough, I'm not going down this road. So I think it's important that each county, if we do in the future recruit refereeing at the right age, that we bring them along gradually and try and mentor them as much as we can with experienced people. That that would be vital to try and keep them, you know, and maybe trash out their incidents and have video clips and have more meetings in counties and more training sessions. Like some counties would never meet. Uh, in Offrian, for instance, in the last couple of years, we've tried to meet now at least once a month and do a fitness session and chat about refereeing and try and show video clips. Obviously, it was awkward through COVID. So, I think the more we can do as an association, a body, and I think it's come to the stage that refereeing is a lot more important than people think, you know, and with what's at stake, we need to improve the refereeing standards and we need more referees if if we were to have our games running smoothly. Yeah, absolutely. And so I suppose there's also the argument, especially referee nowadays, like there's some arguments going around social media that, a VAR or TMO system might help referees in the future for big decisions like in all out of fines or semi-fines or quarterfinals and so on. Would you be in favour of that? Oh, absolutely. In, in, in Turles or Crow Park or any big venue that RTE is covering a game or Sky, I think there wouldn't be any harm of any person sitting in for 10 seconds or 15 that's communicated or wired up to the referee, the very same as Hawkeye. And, you know, for the sake of 20 seconds or 30 seconds, to go and get that right decision as in a goal or maybe uh, a build-up to a goal, you know, or a blatant red card that hasn't been spotted. I wouldn't like it introduced too much for decision-making as in like VAR in soccer goes nearly too much to the, to, the, to the video referee. But I think just for the sake, and you mightn't see maybe two incidents in a year or three, but if you take the, the incidents, the Dustin Gleeson ghost goal, as we call it down in, down in Limerick that time, like, you know, just for, for key incidents like that or the Joe Sheridan goal from loud years ago, it's crucial that them decisions are got right on the day and that the best team wins and there's no animosity leaving the field. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's too many, um, you know, of them kind of decisions. Like, Austin Gleeson's the obvious one. Like, that was clearly not a goal and it, it was awarded anyway. And a far or TMO system, more so TMO, I think, because in rugby, I think, 
It's brilliant. You can hear the conversation, what's going on, what the refs are thinking. Like it very like half the time you don't understand what is going on. Like, do you watch much rugby like TMO, for example? Oh, I would indeed. Like, and you know, we'd be envious of, of, of the rugby where it's came, you know, where the respect they have and the decision making they have. And that's why I'm saying I I don't see why we couldn't do it and crow park, like have someone sitting in with the Hawkeye official and looking at the game and looking at scores. And, you know, you're wired up to the referee and lines them and the umpires and it'd be great to quench a fire before it, it, it blazes out of control, that type of thing. So, yeah, of course you'd be envious of the rugby. And I, I think in time to come, we will see that matter. You know, everything in the GA is a little bit slow, but I, I think if you get the right people with the right foresight, you'll, you'll definitely get the right decisions and the right uh, structure in place in years to come. But as I said, it, it'll be a little bit slow, but it will happen. Yeah, definitely the right thing to do. Like I, I would definitely before technology coming into the GA, but as you said, things do take time and we have to be patient about it. But another factor as well, probably we mentioned this earlier in the conversation as well, the fan aspect. Like if a decision goes the wrong way, for example, like a fan might take their frustration out the referee too much during the game. Like, do you think the fans and managers on the sideline, indeed, need to have more respect for referees going into the future. Well, I think we need to explain to managers and supporters rules. You know, I don't think we have enough programmes, we'll say, on telly, or we don't have enough referees going into dressing rooms or going to county grounds and explaining decisions and going through rules and updating all members of, of clubs and whether it's underage mentors or managers. Like, we don't do enough of that. Like. For instance, we'd say Brian Gavin should be in a club in Westmead maybe once a month, a different club, and explaining rules and giving it to him from a referee's point of view. See if they can get the mentors and the players understand it from a referee's point of view. And, you know, there's a lot of people going to games now and they don't fully understand the rules. And, you know, they're, they're roaring and shouting in and they're going to social media and they're, you know, they're kicking off and they just don't understand it enough. And... You know, that's a major bugbear of mine that I, I, I think we need to get into clubs and educate mentors in particular and players on the rules of our game because there's a site of, there's a massive amount of players out there that wouldn't fully understand all the rules in the GA. And that's been honest about You'd have a certain amount that would be very sharp in the rules, but there's so much people out there at the moment, or so many, I should say, that don't know the rules inside out and don't know even know what they're talking about when they go to social media or shouting in at a game. So, again, that would be an area that could be great if it could be targeted. And again, that would help, you know, the understanding, the decision the referee makes. Now, in saying all that, though, too, Matt, sometimes you have referees that maybe are just not at the standard and they make these mistakes. I wouldn't say they look for trouble, but they bring a lot of trouble on themselves if they, they you know, if they don't make the right decisions or don't take it in themselves. So, I would like to see, though, clubs and counties being having more information and more access to refereeing on rules and their understanding of the playing of our games. Yeah, absolutely. And there was a few examples of actually decisions that caused a lot of controversy, especially last summer. Like in hurling, I could think of the main one was probably a clear player. I think it was Aidan McCarthy pulling down a Tipperary player and he was awarded a yellow card, which is which is a black card and hurling, and he was sent off for 10 minutes. It proved crucial in the context of the Munster Championship that year. Like, Would you have any sympathy for that referee that made that decision then? Well, you, you see, my take on all that was, 
like definitely that was the, the black card was uh, vital to be brought in in Hurling for we had saw several instances in the years before the three or four year before of lads going through and goal and just being grappled and brought to the ground and there's no place for that which I'd have to say a lad out near the sideline on the 20 metre line is he is that a goal scoring opportunity I wouldn't think so um, someone came up I had one I had a referees meeting and for some reason they said yeah we'll go with that but then was one man left implemented and he got the blood of it. So we didn't see too many of it later on in the year. So you'd hope common sense would prevail, but I wouldn't like to see the likes of James Owens, who was referee a scapegoat for that decision that uh, a bunch of referees had agreed to have a meeting, uh, which were wrong to agree, or maybe someone in Crow Park, they might be able to tell you more. But, you know, to put yourself under that much pressure is ridiculous because... You're under enough pressure referee in a game, never mind giving the penalty for out near the sideline. So, you know, sometimes, as I say, we bring this on upon ourselves and uh, there's definitely no need for it. But there's a need for it when the player's going through right and goal and he's only 10, 12 yards out from the goal. You know, I suppose the rule had to be brought in, you know, because, it, as you said, it was happening too much in hurling. But, yeah, I, I didn't get that decision either, but... Um, yeah, we have to move on with these decisions, I suppose. And another big one, I know this is in Hurley now, but in football, and this caused major controversy in the summer. Conor Lane from Cork made a decision not to send off John Small for a shoulder and Owen McLaughlin in the All-Ireland semi-final. Like, and he got a lot of abuse on Twitter afterwards. I honestly felt sorry for Conor Lane afterwards. Uh, what was your thoughts on that incident? It, it sort of reminded me of the Richie Hogan that time, you know, being sent off again temporary. When you have the strong physical lads now going to meet a fella, sometimes they'll meet him bang on square on the shoulder. But a split second or half second and they catch them up around the chin or the head, you're in bother. And, you know, I even saw one of our old players in a hurling game only about a month ago, you know, went to shoulder a man as he turned into him and caught him on the chin and paid the price for it. So really, when you catch anyone in the head now, it is red. And unfortunately, you know, Connors Lane should have been a red card at the time. But I suppose the angle maybe Connor had on at the time, he probably thought he caught him square on the shoulder or just at the top of the shoulder. So it's a very fine line, but anything in the head now is a red card. And you would feel sorry for a referee in the day that didn't get that right because, as you said, he comes under a lot of pressure then. And, you know, I think Connor suffered a little bit from that, you know. Um, he just, you know, it threw him back a bit for the remainder of that game as well. So... A referee knows straight away whether he's made a mistake or not. And you can't actually go back, really, and rectify it when, when the play had continued. You know, that type of way. So it's just one of them. And for, I'd have sympathy for him because it's one of them decisions in the day that you, you have a split second to get it right. And if you don't, you know, there's trouble ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Really feel for Carly in that decision. But it was a red card. I think everybody would have seen it was a red card. And I suppose going back to the VAR and TMO, that would have been handy in that situation. Then the referee could have gone back and sent John Small off then. But, you know, it's in the past now and we have to move on. But I suppose talking more about your career, you refereed your first All-Ireland Senior Final in 2011. Now, this was probably infamous for you because not because of a decision, no, but because the Tommy Walsh incident obviously were yeah. the hurley went smacked onto your nose. Um, do you have much yeah. memories of that? Ah, yeah, sure. Look, anywhere I go or anyone that knows me, you know, Tommy Welsh split and Tommy Welsh this time. But look, <clears throat> it was one of those things that obviously was my first all Ireland, and I was after it's I'd slipped up myself in at seven and eight. I didn't put enough effort into refereeing and 
it took me all of nine and ten to get back in the good books with Crow Park and back refereeing well. And I was standby for Michael Wadden in, in ten. So eleven, I got the breakthrough. And, you know, I was really up for that game and I didn't want any trouble. And, you know, one bit of trouble that did start down around the 13 or 20, I went in to push lads away. And, and before you knew it, I just felt this unmerciful thump on my nose. And I just looked at the ground and I could see the grass going red. So I knew it was in a bit of bother. How much bother, I didn't know. I, I was in a good bit of pain, to be honest with you. Had I a clue of who done it or what happened? Absolutely not. But, um, you know, there was players around me maybe telling me who it was, but that didn't matter. My priority at that time was to try and get patched up and get okay again. And lucky enough, in fairness to the two doctors, uh, I, I was perfect. But one of them said to me, come on out to the side and we patch up, thinking it was a player, I think. And you know how that doesn't happen because you're the referee. But uh, Barry Kelly was there anyway and he would have been ready to go in as, if I wasn't able to continue. But lucky enough, I got to half time and the first aid and the order of all to buys came in and they got me patched up as well. And I was bleeding actually from the inside and the outside. So, But I never contemplated once, you know, to send off Tommy Welch and a lot of people slag me about it. Oh, he could have been sent off. But I, I think, you know, you would have been bringing serious attention to yourself if you sent off someone there for... And everyone say he was swinging the hurl high, but he definitely didn't mean to hit me. I know he meant to hit someone, but um, it was it was an accident. And I, lucky enough, shrugged it off and, and got on with the game, thankfully. Yeah, it was an absolutely infamous incident there. And uh, I suppose, did you ever get in contact with Tommy afterwards, years afterwards, or even straight after the game? Oh, yeah, sure. It's like all county players, Matt. You know, you, you go on different trips and you're in different... Uh, like the, you could be going to the All-Stars and, you know, the referees invited there and then there's All-Star trips and you get to meet all the players and you get to know them. And that's when, you know, players get to know you and, and have it several times after that. And we'd have a joke about Tommy apologising in fairness to him. And look, as a mentor, he, he sent me up his jersey and it's, it's a lovely souvenir to have. And, you know, it's people that slag you about that. But look, uh, it, it was just a nice gesture for, you know, what he done. And, yeah, you know, like all players, I would have been... I would have got to know several players in different counties very well down through the years. And, you know, that's what the GA is all about, is meeting these type of people and meeting these friends that eventually you'll have nearly for life. So, yeah, no, it was it was, it was uh, a nice gesture to get from, from Tommy and he did apologise in fairness to him. He was a great player as well. And, uh, yeah, I suppose, yeah, it's brilliant, brilliant to meet all these players at All-Star Awards or even at GA matches. That's what's so great about the GA, the camaraderie of us, I suppose. And, you look at the all the finals you riffed as well in 2013, the 2014 replay and 2016, like all the three, all the four finals that you refereed, they must have been memorable, I would have thought. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, like sort of two newish teams coming. Now, they were never, Cork were never new, but it was a breakthrough for Cork and Clare in 13. That was a fantastic game. And the replay was unbelievable. I was actually standby referee for James McGrath for the replay and that's the day Shane O'Donnell came in and got the three goals and, you know, Clare won in All-Ireland in 2013. 14, then you had Tip and Kilkenny back and the first game Barry Kelly refed and that famous Hawkeye incident right at the very end which could have decided, you know, it was right over the crossbar and there was a replay there and I suppose my memory of the replay there was Larry Corbett bearing down and goal and JJ Delaney who had a broken finger at half time still stuck out his hurl and got a hook on, on, on Larry, on Larry Corbett's shot or on Seamus Callan, I should say. Uh, and, you know, you'd be nearly writing in your notebook when you see Seamus Callan getting a... But how J.J. Delaney got in that hook. So, you know, m- massive memorable games. And, and the 2016, I think had only 19 frees and no yellow cards. And the Tipperary full forward line scored something like 315 from play. Like, 
unreal. Like uh, John McGrath was on fire and bubbles and Seamus Callan. Like it was just, you know, the memories you'll have for life. You know, un- unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. And so I would have thought about that, you know, from a referee's point of view, that um, you'd enjoy the skill of the game in the middle of the game. I thought you'd just get on with your job, really. Is that an element that you enjoy as well, just looking at the skills of the game from the likes of Cannon, from Bubbles, or Henry Sheffield as well, who you we refereed a few times? Oh, it's unbelievable. Like, I, I always enjoy that, that you're in the middle of a game and it could be maybe 40, 50 minutes and the crowd are going ballistic like with their own and the game is up and down. You're actually, you're enjoying it and you're admiring the skill levels. As I said, you know, JJ's hook is one of the most memorable things I've ever seen, you know, and some of Lara Corbett's goals in the Munster final refereed again, Limerick one time, like they were unreal as well. And, you know, out beside Joe Cannon on the field and beside Henry Shefflin, beside you know, DJ Carey in my early years, you know, Brian Lohan and refereed once a couple of times, you know, all these players and even Brian Whelan in my own county, Johnny Dooley, you know, fantastic hurlers and to be out beside him and, you know, just seeing their skill and seeing them in action in full flight or close up is just, it's memories you'll have for life, you know, that you'll bring with them forever, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And it brings me on to another question I have here. What's the best game you've ever refed? I know that must be a difficult question, naming all the players that you refereed and all the great games, the fall or the finals, of course. But what would be the best match you've ever refed? I'd say the best game I've ever refed. Uh, now, the game itself wasn't quality, wasn't brilliant, but I think my best performance ever was there was a qualifier in 2013 with Tipperary and Kilkenny. Now, don't forget, they were after contesting the majority of the finals the six or seven years before that. So it was very strange for Kilkenny to be beaten in Leinster and Tip beaten in Munster. And next thing to meet in a qualifier of a Saturday evening in, um, in down in Nolan Park and whoever loses is gone. And uh, tickets are sold <laughs> instantly. And there's 22, the gates open at four o'clock for a seven o'clock game. And at half five, the stadium is full. You know, that type of way. And, you know, it was just a hot summer's evening and the atmosphere was unreal. But, you know, Crow Park had taken me off the Leinster final with Galway in Dublin and put me onto this game. You know, they had faith that I was the man to control that game. And I think from the world go, I was just so up for that game. You know, I was thinking about it all week and had my umpires really sharp and my linesman. And I was just, you know, I was just in the zone that night and I got nearly every decision right. And, was, you know, so coming off it and... Going into the dressing room and Pat McEnany coming into you, who was chairman of the refs, and Dickie Murphy, who was under the referees committee, and patting you on the back. And, you know, it's like if you won something, you know, that type of way. And my father's party was that night, he's 70. And it was just one of those memorable evenings that I was up for a game. And I was sort of, when I'd be up for a game or some of the top referees, when they're always up for a game, they'll always perform well. And that was probably my most memorable performance as a referee was that qualifier in Nolan Park that evening. Yeah, you can remember that game vividly as well. Like I, I couldn't believe it at that point that Kilkenny and Tipperary had been in the finals for so many years and then to meet the first round of the qualifiers, that, that must have been huge pressure to get it right that day, but thank God you did and it was a memorable occasion for yourself. And I suppose another aspect that I'm kind of interested about is your team of referees on the day, like your linesmen, your fourth officials, your umpires, obviously, would you kind of have team thought before the game, like a normal GA team, or would you kind of have a talk? Would you would you talk in kind of a normal way before him? Well, I suppose in my early refereeing years, you'd have a chat on the day with your umpires and linesmen. I suppose 2012, 2013 on, 
sometimes you would ring the linesman maybe midweek and go through maybe the teams that were playing and what you'd expect and you'd have your chat and the umpires with the car going down and you probably wouldn't need to say too much in a dressing room, you know. And um, But I, I was very lucky, uh, Matt, that I had the guts of maybe seven good umpires, you know. I had four lads that I soldiered in the All-Irelands, but down through the years, I had a team of seven or eight really good umpires. And if one man couldn't make it of a Sunday, I had no problem with, you know, someone else to step in. And I'd say down through the years, all joking aside, if my umpires got three or four decisions wrong, I think that was the height of it. And that that's has brought down a lot of referees over the year is their team of umpires. And, you know, some referees have fell foul of their own umpires and some of them could be relations of theirs and they have to drop them and make tough decisions. But I have to say I was very lucky. And, and I think that was one of the reasons probably I got so many games at that standard that I had a really good team with me. And obviously when you're reffing uh, All-Ireland semi-finals or finals, or you're, you're going to have two good linesmen who's on the national panel with you. So you have a really good, strong team with you for, for, for all these big games, you know. But I was I have to say I was one of the luckier ones with my team of officials. Yeah, absolutely. It helped when you were an absolute brilliant referee as well. And uh, I suppose another question that um, popped up when I announced that you'd be the next guest to my podcast was actually... What was the worst abuse you got, you know, um, during a match? Um, it, it's hard to know. Um, there, there was there was one game that the papers <laughs> I refereed. I think it was Cork and Waterford, and I think it was all seven or six. And actually, the independent ran with the story for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It was actually Owen McGrath from from Waterford was going through Waterford a pint down the last minute in Cork, and he. He went for a goal when the whole place was nearly including myself screaming to tap it over the bar. But anyway, he went for a goal and Don Log saved the ball. But but he turned round and he and he covered the ball. He wouldn't let anyone play it. And I was probably one of the first lads to to give that decision. And you know, ever since it's been given when a player lies in the ball or covers it. And you know, Waterford naturally enough tapped over the equaliser at 20 meter free, and it was a replay. But Cork supports wasn't that happy that day and I suppose it was in the paper for as I said Galway races was on that day and it was down there for a few days and every day it'd be a lad tipping you the shoulder you're on it again today you know so that was I can say nearly that was the only time I really was in the papers much um, you, you know there was different incidents down through my GA career over different other things but that was I'd say the only incident that I, I, I would you believe lucky enough no one laid a finger at me in, in ever coming off a pitch or they might have shouted coming off pitches here and there, blah, blah, blah. But no one, thankfully, I'm one of the luckier ones. And it should never happen to anyone that was ever pushed or shoved or anything like that. So I can thank me lucky stars that, that that way. Yeah, absolutely. Like what comes to mind when uh, you mentioned the pushing and shoving of referees was Martin Sludden in that Snowden medium. Like that was horrendous what happened to him. And uh, thankfully, it doesn't have to watch referees, but the... But some of the referees, the abuse they get is absolutely dreadful. And uh, I suppose it's it's not just um, refereeing you do. Obviously, you're a good supporter of Offaly GA as well. And I wanted to ask you about the under-20s this season in football because it was, it was a brilliant run. Like some of the players, Cormac Egan, Jack Brynas, and they, were, they just played without fear this championship. And they were one of the stories of the year, one of the stories of the football. Like, you look at the Mead ladies as well, Mead winning the minors. Like, Offaly was right up there. Like, it, that was a brilliant occasion. 
Well, I suppose just to give your listeners the background, you know, the lads that was with under 20s, it was their fourth year with them. And they had, you know, they had built up, you know, a little bit of confidence and they were very unlucky maybe in a year or two before that to lose to Leinster semi-finals. And that team in particular, I would have followed them at minor. I would have been at nearly all their minor games. And, you know, they had the makings of a very good team. And would you believe maybe three weeks before the first round of that under 20 championship, Awfully was in the Leinster minor final from 2020. And, you know, very, very unlucky to lose to a very good me team down in Mullingar, maybe only by a pint. And there was three or four of them lads, you know, brought on to the under 20 panel. So they sort of strengthened up that panel and gave it a lift. You know, on the first day again, Wexford, Awfully were four or five pints up, but Wexford came back and Awfully just held on maybe by a pint. But for the next game, then again, Westmead, the management introduced three or four of these minors, you know, the Cormac Egan's, the John Furlong's, as you spoke about, and young Keith O'Neill, who came on in some games. And it gave, it gave uh, the under-20s a new lease of life. And, you know, we while we beat Westmead by two or three points, it probably could have been six or seven, you know, that type of way. So confidence was sort of starting to build. And then we discovered Mead had used some of their players you know, on the senior team and weren't able to play under 20. And Dublin had beaten them in the semi-final, got four goals. So we knew maybe Dublin were vulnerable a little bit because if Mead had a full complement, probably beat Dublin. So going into the Leinster final against Dublin, you know, awfully was six to one. And I know a lot of, few, a lot of lads around here and, you know, they thought that was the wrong price. And a few people had a few little quid here and there with Paddy Powers at six to one. And, you know, that night again, Dublin, you know, I think TG4 start showing the games and, People saw how good this team was and the pace they had. You know, I think it was the one thing this team brought to life was the pace and the way they played the game, as you says, you know, and the passion and the no surrender attitude. Something that awfully teams were always, you know, renowned for was their, their passion and never say die. And these lads had it, you know, and leaving, leaving Port Leash that night, you'd have goosebumps that awfully had won a Leinster under 20 championship because we were starved, you know, for 15 or 20. You know, we were so lucky in the 90s and early, maybe noughties, you know, good teams, but we were so starved of success in awfully that that was one of the most memorable nights leaving Port Leash with an under 20 title. And, you know, um, I suppose we were underdogs then going to play a Cork in the semi-final. Now, they were unlucky. They lost one of their best players uh, through through an injury and you know we had no fear that night either because we were underdogs and we would nothing to lose after winning a, a, a Leinster championship so again no fear and went to Cork and such a performance like that was a serious performance and Cork came back and awfully went down and got every time Cork come back awfully go down and get a goal but you know it, it led to an Ireland final with Roscommon and you know Roscommon had beaten down who was hotly tipped from a lot of people and you know we, we survived an onslaught of Roscommon goals early on and we got the lads opened up in the second half and went seven points clear and us come and come back again and awfully kicked on again. It was just, it was probably the best championship, not because awfully won it. I think I, I covered all the games from Midlands 103, but I think the standard of football and the shackles off these young lads, if senior intercounty managers, it only look back at that 120 championship and say hop their teams the way that Offaly, Roscommon, Cork, Dublin, all these teams were set up. And we'd, we'd be really looking at football fan, at a fantastic way and not looking at this hand pass and this negative stuff. Like some of the games in under 20, you probably saw a few match yourself. They were just second to none and had everyone talking and it gave Offaly supporters and people such a lift in this summer. It was just unbelievable. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like myself and my family have been to a few Cork under 20 games and we were thinking the same thing. Like I can go back to Cork against Dublin in the other 20 final in 2019 and they had the same managers 2021 losing to Offaly, Keith Ricken. Like his teams were just unbelievable. Like the way they played with the old fear really, a bit like Offaly as well and a bit like Ross Common. And like the Ulster teams as well, Vernus Dow Monaghan was an outstanding final up there as well. So Geez, it was a brilliant championship overall. And the quality in the Roscommon Offaly game, I have to say, was just superb. Unbelievable. Like, Jack Bryanus was superb in that game. Cormac Egan, Aaron Kelligan, I think his name is, the corner forward. Absolutely superb. So, geez, there was, there was some brilliant performers and a brilliant championship. And you're exa- exactly, you're right there. That, um, the senior team should implement this system, but... Hopefully we'll know with um, a few under-20 managers being promoted, Keith Rick and being one with Cork, and hopefully, awfully brighter days are ahead. And I suppose that the other aspect I wanted to chat to you before we finish up is um, you're actually chairman of the Clara GA Club. And to all the listeners that don't know, it's the club of Shane Lowry. Like, you've met Shane a few times, haven't you? Oh yeah, I know Shane fairly well. Yeah, yeah, Shane is he's a good supporter of the club. He loves the he loves the football in hurling and he goes to a lot of our games. Yeah, a, a great GM man is Shane. Yeah, and I suppose be chairman of Clara J. How have you found that? Is it better than refereeing, or do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy refereeing I, I, as much? I, I suppose, like as I said to you, the ref, and I, I suppose I took over chairman when you were young, young enough. I was probably 30, maybe 37 or that. You know, I'm there maybe five or six years. Actually, this is me, me last year. I'm into my last nine days as chairman. Um, and yeah, I, I've enjoyed it. it. It's a very tough role, I'd have to say. And I think the biggest thing in any club is volunteers and trying to get all teams with good coaches and trying to upgrade the standard of coaching. And, you know, the, the worst thing about club is everyone has an opinion and some people are only in it for their own, I won't say benefit, but their own interest as in maybe their son or their relation, you know, that type of way. And it gets awkward at times and you, you need to be strong and you need to be tough, you know, going to pick managements for senior teams or hurling teams. And why is he the manager and why did you get him? And he's there so long. And you know, the type of way you get all these different scenarios thrown out by people. So you know, when we started off, we sort of turned around the financial aspect of the club that, you know, we had bought grounds for over two million and we lucky enough through Crow Park and Ulster Bank, we got a write down and we, we've a good bit paid off that. And But it curtailed you into other aspects of, you know, like maybe a gym or walking tracks or proper lights and stuff like that. While we have three or four fabulous pitches, you know, on that type of money holds you back. And whereas other clubs might have only one pitch and plenty of money, you know, but we have plenty of fields and no money. So I suppose in 10 or 12 years, we'll be in a very good position to develop our club. But it's a tough role because, you know, you're chairman and everyone rings your phone and thinks you've answered everything. And just sometimes you haven't answers and sometimes you have the wrong answers. And it's it's like anything in life, you, you probably get enough of it. And I, I need to take a break from it now at the moment, uh, along with my secretary who was with me from the world ago. So... You know, we need fresh faces and fresh faces who lads are going to stand up in the next year or two, which they are. So it's a tough, it's a tough role, let me tell you, chairman. But it's enjoyable when things are going well, but there's no worse place to be when you're relegated or things are not going well. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit of a different role from refereeing anyway. And uh, I suppose it's great to get involved with your club. And uh, thank you for your time, Brian. Thanks very much for coming on to the podcast. The first referee, former referee to come on to the podcast, in fact, and 
I loved chatting to you, really, and uh, I wish you the best in the future. Thanks, Matt. It's a pleasure, and keep up the good work. You're doing a great job there. I'd like to thank Brian for coming on to the podcast today, and I'd like to thank you for listening to me. Thanks to Fortune Favors for sponsoring today's show once again, and until next time, I'll see you all then, and take care.